Well, 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 beautiful people, best damn nation, it is Wednesday and you know what time it is, it is the best damn wrestling podcast, I am your humble, humble host Brian Renegade and with me, I have the best damn crew, uh, first of all, introduce uh, the one and only green-eyed bandit. On a dark night in a dark alley, he can either save your life or beat you up in front of your girlfriend and dump you in the trash can. He's your mama's favorite wrestler, and he can whoop your daddy ass, Mr. Everything, Victor Andrews. And you know what? You know what? You know what I'm getting ready to do this summer Saturday? I'm whooping somebody's daddy's ass. That's what I'm doing. I'm gonna whoop somebody daddy's ass, and I'm taking his title or whatever he's whatever I'm and I'm going to the pay window and I'm gonna get my money and I'm coming home and I'm gonna prepare myself to whoop some more daddy asses. That's what I'm gonna do. Oh man, whole bunch of ass whoopings being handed out. You know what I'm saying? This week. Whole whole lot of ass whoopings. <laughs> oh man, we got a special guest in the building, Mr. Everything. I'm gonna let you do the due diligence and introduce our esteemed guest. Man, listen, uh, uh to say that he's a guest is a uh uh disrespect because he ain't no guest, he is family. This right here is family, he is the uncle of professional wrestling, he's everybody's favorite uncle. Uh, just to tell you a little bit about, about this, this family member that we have today. Uh, when I first met him was at a Ring of Honor show. And I tell you no lies. I was standing in a ring. We just got done. was in the Philadelphia. It's at the ECW Arena. I was standing in the ring. We had just finished setting up the ring. And, you know, everybody's getting their stuff together. And all the guys in the ring. And they're going over their matches. And I was standing in the corner. And this gentleman was standing on the opposite side of the ring. And we locked eyes. And for whatever reason, we walked up to each other. We locked up. We started chain wrestling. And the entire ring, everybody, just cleared out the ring and let us do our thing. And I was like, it won't know, hello, how you doing? This is my name. This is who I am. This is where I'm from. This is who's trained me. It was, lock up with me, brother. Let's do this. All right, let's do this thing. We're going to come around. All right, let's see what you got. And that's what it was. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce you, my uncle, Mr. Brutal Bob Evans. <laughs> you on mute, Uncle? Unc, you're, you're on mute. We can't hear you. <laughs> Can you unmute him for There me? we go. You guys, un you guys muted me. <laughs> oh, no. my bad. Oh, <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to, you know, if if you had a boss, you'd have, I, this is where I hope I have a boss someday so he can fire me. You know what I mean? This is what happens when you, this is what happens when we work for ourselves, guys, right? That's it. So, um, so I apologize for the little skewed thing. I'm I'm actually uh, doing one of my businesses now, long uh, long distance courier. So I'm I'm on the road. Um, if you guys ever watch me on a podcast, this is almost always where I am. So uh, I am a, a living, you know, do the drives is not just a hashtag. It's a real thing. But Victor, thank you so much. I now I know, Victor, why we wrestled three times and you beat me all three times. I didn't have my nature made gummies. So there now you go. I'm buy my nature made gummies. I'm going to eat those and then I'm going to do better against you this time. 
and uh, you better watch yourself. So I'm only 51, Victor. I got another 20 years of me. I'm only 51. So you, you, you got to have your nature made gummies and you got to have your milk. That's, that's right. That's, oh, yeah. Milk all day. Yep. Milk all day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, Victor, that was, uh, you know, I, I, I always love doing that. You know, hey, let's get in the ring. Let's do something. I always wanted to stay busy when I was at Ring of Honor because sometimes, as you know, it's a big roster and there's only so many spots and sometimes you don't have much to do. So I always tried to stay as busy as I could. Um, I was on, I was in the company for eight years and I did a lot of great things in that company and I'm grateful for it. But I always, I almost always had a chip on my shoulder because I always felt like I could be doing more. So, um, but it was nothing against company. It was just how I felt. And, uh, you know, it was always uh, a blessing to be there. It was always a blessing to see you. And, uh, actually, no, I think you beat me four times, man. I, I, I <laughs> I, I'm ordering. I'm going on Amazon and I'm ordering Nature. Or is there? Do I? Do I have to go through you? I want to go through. If you have an affiliate link, go through us. We we got you. We, you know what I'm saying? We got some discounts and codes. I, I want to take care. Of, I want to take care of you guys. I want to take care of the podcast. I've been. This podcast has been blowing up. I've been hearing a lot of good things about it. Victor's been telling me about it, but I've been hearing from some of the other boys and and I've been seeing more and more about it. So this is great. I want to be. Uh, I want to be a part of it. So fire away, whatever you got. I told you guys. You asked me. A little behind the scenes, you asked me, is anything off the table? As far as I know, it isn't. So, you know, if you're gonna if you if you make me cry though, I'll be sad. So don't make me cry too much, okay? Well, no, we before got we get started <laughs> with, with your wrestling career, I do want to say congratulations to you. Yes, thank um, you. because this makes what year of sobri- uh, sobriety? Oh, yes. Uh, so five years. So I, I have a uh, middle February is kind of special for me because uh February 12th is uh, my wrestleversary, so I've celebrated 32 years in wrestling, February 12th. February 13th is uh, the year I stopped, uh, the day I stopped gambling, five years ago. And February 14th is obviously Valentine's Day with my honey, my wife. So um, so it's, uh, that's, an, that's always an important three days for me. But yeah, it was uh, five days this year, no gambling. And uh, but you know what? The day's not over yet, and tomorrow's another day, and I just take it one day at a time. That's how you're supposed to do it. So absolutely. Yeah, let, uh, let me fire off the uh the first question because you just mentioned something. I don't want that to kind of uh go sure. by. Talk mm-hmm. about um how your wife supported you uh through your wrestling and through your sobriety. Well, that was um I met my wife very, very early. Well, I actually met my wife technically because she was my boss at the pizza shop we used to work at. And then, uh, we started going out about a year after we met and I was, I had been wrestling for maybe a year. And, uh, so she's been with me pretty much. And then I actually, um, betrayed my wife years and years ago and committed adultery 20, well, geez, 26 years ago, um, walked away from my marriage. She wanted to keep it going. I didn't, I thought I knew better. I walked away and then seven years later, I came crawling back on my hands and knees and I'm blessed to say that she took me back. I apologize, made amends, try to make amends every day. And this year is our 20th anniversary. Uh, Two beautiful kids, Robbie and Katie, 17 and 15. And uh, what a blessing she's been in my life. So we've been through some big stuff. So, um, but really with the wrestling, she's been through a lot of the different, uh, occasions, you know, um, where I wasn't making any money. Then I was making some money. Then I decided to do it full time, hated it, went back to gambling. This is years ago and almost blew everything up doing this business the wrong way. Um, 
And then I kind of figured out how to do it where I wrestle part-time, even though I wrestle my part-time schedule is a lot busier than sometimes some people's full-time schedules. And I still work and make a good living and have a job that I really love, you know, have a career that I really love and um, do a lot of fun things. And I'm in control of my schedule for the most part. Don't miss a lot of family stuff. And I still get to all the wrestling stuff I need to, and I can make myself available for more if that happens. And, uh, but yeah, my wife's been a rock through it when, you know, she, when we needed, you know, health insurance, she had health insurance when she need, you know, for her job, she's been at her same job for 32, 33 years. She's worked her way up from an intern to the HR director of the biggest construction company, one of the biggest construction companies in New England. So she's, uh, no, nah, man, she's my hero. So I, I'm very lucky. I have my mom who's a badass and my wife who's a badass. So, um, you know, I, I, I really, uh, have always been an admirer of strong women. So yeah, Shannon is, uh, she's cool, man. And she's, she's good with the wrestling. You know, sometimes she gets cranky if it gets to be too much, but you know, we try to work it out, talk it over. Communication is key. Um, I didn't know that the first time I married her, I learned it a lot better the second time I married her, but, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's constant communication and it's, you don't hide things from anybody. You don't keep secrets. Um, you know, you just do the best you can. And that's the, I guess that's the secret of any relationship, romantic or not, is communication and talking it out. And, you know, we see, we see it in wrestling with all the, you know, I, what I like now is that I think the narrative is changing. And Victor, you can attest to this too, is, you know, we, we've seen so many good people in wrestling. Um, you know, I mean, Victor, you started later than I did, but I mean, we've still seen so many good people in wrestling that, gave all gave so much to the business and kind of did it not the wrong way, but they just invested too much and they ended up blowing up their lives. And now I think it's kind of nice where there's a good balance. I think, um, I think even the TV stars are finding balance and, and, you know, the national and international stars are trying to, you know, have long-term relationships and, and, and try to have a life outside of wrestling. And I think that's the biggest lesson I can teach people right off the bat. I'm always, I'm a teacher, so I'm not going to teach lessons, but that's one of the biggest things that I can teach people is just have a balance and, but balance doesn't necessarily mean 50, 50. It just means like be there for the important stuff and wrestling can have a huge part of your life, but you know, you got to be there for the important stuff and you just got to be there when you're there. You know, that's, that's been huge. But yeah, my wife's, my wife's my rock. She's the best. Yeah. Also, congratulations on your uh, sobriety. Um, on the show, we we talk about you know um, addictions and and mental health a lot, um, and we want to be able to to open up uh, the doorway into people's characters and see how they how they really are and how they operate, but also to give inspiration to people who may be going through the same thing. Uh, can you talk about your road to sobriety real quick? Yeah, it was. Um I had actually had a couple of stints where I just started, I just started going to the casino and I would, I would spend, I go to the casino on like, you know, uh, during Christmas, you know, Christmas break or, you know, I'd go for a day, not a day. I go for a, a morning and I just spend 50, a hundred bucks and chill out and just play on the, you know, not even like blackjack or anything, but just play on the machines and, and leave. And I never had a problem with it, but then it kept, Later on, it kept, I was doing it more and more often. And then all of a sudden I was doing it almost every day. 
And when you're doing Ooh. it almost every day and you're spending 50, 100 bucks a day, that adds up to a lot of money, guys. And it also, when you're family, starting to put money on the credit cards, trying to hide things, and it, it got to be the point where it was getting to be too much. So I had a couple of stints where I had a year, you know, a year with no gambling. And then finally I fell into it big again. And I, what I did, which, what I did, which I never did before is I sat with my wife and I just told her, I said, I can't, I, I, I can't keep secrets from you anymore. And, and she said something that was, she said, this is it, buddy. She said, this is it. And she loved me enough to tell me the truth. And she loved me enough to, to challenge me to step up for my family. She's like, you got two young kids at home and I don't want to divorce you. I don't want to leave you. I don't want you to leave this house, but that's your decision to make. And they, they always say that, you know, I've, I've only learned this recently, even though it's an old saying, but you know, uh, uh, addiction is giving up everything for one thing and recovery is giving up one thing for everything. And I, I think I made the right decision so far where I've given up the one thing gambling and I've gotten just about everything back. You know, my relationship with my wife is better. Um, really, she was the biggest person, uh, the biggest person in my life I had to make amends to. Nobody else really knew I had the problem because I hit it so well. Um, but yeah, it was to the point where I was spending a couple hundred bucks a day that I didn't have and five, six grand a month, you know, with somebody with a middle-class income is you're going to feel that. So and, uh, you know, it was just getting to the point where it was just about to get away from me. And I think I stopped it right when it was going to really get bad. So um, and then I just went to meetings, uh, Gamblers Anonymous. I can't thank them enough. I don't go as much as I used to, but I know they're there for me if I if I need it. And uh, yeah, I just, you know, I just quietly celebrate it. I put it on Facebook, not to brag. I put it on Facebook to encourage other people. And I've had a couple of people tell me that, you know, that's been inspirational to them. I'm not, it's not a brag because, you know, I shouldn't have let it go that far, but you also have to be open about it to encourage other people to go, you know, going to a meeting was scary. My first meeting, my first meeting was an hour away in Boston because it was the only meeting I could get to. And I said, I'm embarrassed. This is when I was first kind of really taken off. The hangs with Bob thing was taken off. I was going all over the country. And obviously it's anonymous, so I kept it vague, but I just said, you know, I'm a leader in my field. I go and I speak to young people. I said, this is embarrassing. And I remember the gen nice looking guy in a, in a shirt and tie, you know, very, very, you could tell he was on his break because it was in the middle of the day. So you could tell he was on his break from some big business. And he just held his hand up and he says, Bob, you know, can I stop you for a second? I'm like, yeah. He goes, unless you've lost a million dollars in a year, you're going to be fine in this room. And I, that kind of shocked me that he came out and said that. So this was, right. you know, this, this was like, this could have gotten a lot worse before it got better. And really I fell, I fell back again a couple of times. It's called recovery for a reason because you're going to have stumbles, you know, and you know, once in a while I still have, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't call it urges, but I have, you know, I think about it and I, and I cut it off real quick, you know, because what they don't tell you is when I, finally came to grips with the fact that I'd never be able to make a bet again. I don't even do friendly bets. I don't bet my friends. I don't do 50, 50 raffles. Like I, I can't do a scratch ticket. Like, you know, I draw the line pretty hard on myself. It's almost like a loss. It's almost like you're mourning a loss when that happens. It's really, you have to come to grips with, you know, because it's like anything else. It was fun for a while. 
And then you still have the illusion that it's still fun. But is it fun if you lose your family? Is it fun if you lose every, max out your credit cards and lose every cent you have in the bank and you owe people money? Like it's not fun anymore when you have to get your life back. So I think I was lucky that I had a good support staff around me, GA, my wife, that really helped. And, uh, you know, I, I slowly crawled my way back, but I, I have no illusions. It could go away tomorrow if I don't keep, keep on top of it. You know, my name is Bob and I'm a compulsive gambler every, you know, every day. I have my little, I have my little coin. I was told this by a guy who he said, whenever you have a problem, I got my account, my GA coin right here. And he says, squeeze that thing until it tells you not to go gambling. So, and it has a serenity prayer on the back and you know, I squeeze that coin every once in a while, but usually it just stays in my, in my, in my fanny pack. Cause I'm a wrestler stays in my fanny pack. And, uh, you know, I just have it there, but I've changed four or five fanny packs and it goes with me everywhere. So, you know, but yeah, but me, it was just going to the meetings, doing the work and then just being mindful of it every day. Speaking of the, the fanny pack, let's, let's go into the, the professional wrestling aspect. Uh, <laughs> When when did you get your start? Who did you get your start with in terms of training? And, uh, you know, what was the first major company you started working with? Well, I had started appearing. Uh, I was listening to it, It's a little bit of a it starts as a fan, obviously. Right. Most of it does. And I was a big wrestling fan. Nobody else in my family was a wrestling fan. I don't have any stories of sitting with my dad or my my, my dad is awesome. He's alive and well. He's going to turn 80 this year and he's the best. But, and my mom's alive, she's, she's the same age, she's doing great, but they are not wrestling fans. And my, they tried to discourage me. They said, oh, it's all phony, and why are you watching this stuff? It's gonna rot your brain. But they, aside from kind of like nitpicking at me, they didn't discourage me from watching it. They said, as long as you don't do wrestling moves to your friends or anything like that, you're fine. And then later on, I, uh, when I went to college, while well, I was in high school actually, I started listening to a a show on the radio called uh, wrestling rap with a guy named Cody Boynes, who was pretty influential in new England. Um, he also had a public access show that was pretty popular. It's kind of a cult classic. If you, if you can watch it, cause he got away with a lot of stuff. He's, he's uh, he, he's, he's a pretty quick witted guy. And uh, he started a, a little group where we would do uh, backyard wrestling as part of the show, like, but more for like comedy, like, joking around and then a buddy of mine mark amaral and i started doing it with with our friend cody um and then we said gee why don't we roll this into our own public access show near near us so we started a public access backyard like a backyard wrestling show with angles and uh formats the formats i used on uh my backyard wrestling public access shows are the formats i would use today so they're still very viable they still are they still are very, you know, I had the organ, believe it or not, it was the only thing I was organized in in my life. But, um, and then one of the wrestlers around town, um, uh, named was Brian Breger who wrestled as the black scorpion. He's in Reno now, actually Brian trained Reno scum and Victor knows those guys. So, okay. uh, yeah, Brian, Brian trained a, a tag team called Reno scum. So, um, when he moved to Reno, but in the, at the time he was in Massachusetts, a little school in New Bedford. And we, um, we had a deal where we did, uh, I'm hearing music. Is that supposed to happen? Yeah, that's supposed to happen. Okay. 
<laughs> I want to make sure I wasn't, you know, I, I'm getting older, guys. I don't want to lose my mind here. Um, but yeah, we were, we had a, we had a deal where we were starting to um, kind of get a little name for ourselves. I left the number on there. Hey, if you want to backyard wrestle with us, call us. And he called me and he said, Hey, if you guys want to take this further, we have a school in New Bedford and, you know, we're, you know, we're not super experienced, but we're trying to get going. And they were probably only a year or two in themselves. And so me and another guy went and uh, the other guy, John, he went to two classes. He blew out his knee and never came back. And I've been there ever since. And that was February 12th, 1992. And here we go. So it's uh, then I kind of moved along. And then my second big mentor was Jeff Costa, Jeff Bruiser Costa, who um, was one of, one of Kill Kowalski's original classes back in the day. And then I trained with Jeff for a really long time. And uh, he taught me a lot of stuff. And that's how I became kind of part of that Killer Kowalski coaching tree that people talk about. And then um, pretty much at that point, I had a few other mentors in my life. Steve Bradley, who was um, who I helped train in the beginning. And then he came back when he went to um, developmental with Kurt Angle and um, Crash Holly and all those guys. He came back and he would teach us what the developmental guys were teaching us. And... Uh, that was it. And then I started kind of getting booked as an extra for TV during the Attitude Era, which was super cool. And I was there probably to, from like 99 to 2002. Then I took a break. Then I came back in 07 a couple times, 09 a couple times. And then Ring of Honor picked up and I did Ring of Honor from 2010 to 2018. And then I've been pretty much been independent the whole time after that. A little bit of impact, TNA wrestling, a little bit of NWA wrestling and losing to Victor Andrews every couple of years. That's been my that's been my career the last little while. <laughs> oh man, listen. Go ahead, bro. That's how you know it's real. That's how you know it's real because Victor beats me every time. Every time. <laughs> I, I fake, think it's another it match in there somewhere. In a while. Yeah, I think right? it's another match. I think it's another match that you guys have to have a little redemption match. I think that'll be good. I just have to find a way to defend that big high cross body he does off the top, and I'll be okay. You know, yeah. But that, that cross body like, gets you every time. Every time, every time. <laughs> well, look, uh, you mentioned something uh, a little bit earlier. Um, sure. I lived. I lived in New Bedford for oh, wow. like almost four years. I had no idea there was a wrestling school there, so yeah, that's this pretty is, great. Uh, yeah, back, well, there's actually one now, too, but um, back in the day, yeah, I was on Cogsall Street. I don't know if you're familiar with Cogsall Street. Yeah, I'm familiar with Cogsall Street, yeah. Yeah, man, right down the street from the Golden Greek. So Okay. You know, yeah. Wow. So, oh, yeah. Well, there's something every day. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, Golden Greek used to be open till 3 a.m. every day, man. That was, the, that was the joint we went to all the time after practice, you know. Get a nice... Get a nice bacon and eggs or omelet two in the morning. Oh yeah, linguisa, linguisa omelet. Hey, oh yeah, heck yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> so that was yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so I, I yeah I was there for a couple of years and then I was real like arrogant and brash early on. So I you know I I thought I knew everything and you know so it was one of those deals where you know me and the promoter we we get along fine now. It's water under the bridge, but back then it was just. You know, I was a punk that thought he knew everything. And so I went out to do other stuff. And, you know, that was always early on. That was always my problem, my attitude in my mouth. I could always, you know, I could, I was always a pretty fair worker. Um, but I just, you know, I thought I was better than I was like most young guys. I guess that's why I have so much, 
sympathy and empathy for the young guys when they get called arrogant and stuff like that. I go, man, it's, it's like, it's like everything else. This too shall pass. You know, right. I just don't, I don't beat the young guys up and I don't, I really don't get frustrated with them too much. Cause I know, I know they'll be okay if they just go with it, you know? And I know a lot of it is just, you know, we, as men, we're always trying to front and we're always trying to look like big shots. And, you know, a lot of that is testosterone, the whole thing. And, you know, you just have to kind of ride that out. So, um, but yeah, that was my problem early on. Later on, I got better at it, you know, and, and, and now obviously I've, you know, really tried to build a nice loving reputation for myself. So most people are happy, you know, because I've always wanted to be this guy where I come in and people are happy to see me. So it's, that's, yeah. uh, that's the reputation that you want to leave behind, you know, and, and obviously the legacy of coaching and stuff. So, but yeah, New Bedford was where I started, man. I grew up in Swansea. 20 minutes away from New 20 minutes away from yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, so. Can you talk about some of, um, I, I like to give uh, some of the wrestlers a, a, a way to, you know, kind of show homage to some of the wrestlers that came before them, especially from their areas. So can you talk about some of the uh, the wrestlers from uh, New England uh, or Massachusetts area that kind of influenced you? Sure. The, uh, the first pro wrestler I ever met in person was Chris Duffy. Um, Chris Duffy used to do jobs in, in WWF, WWE back in like 88, 89 and 90 probably. And he was always very, wasn't in great shape. He was an Irishman. He wasn't in great shape, but he could take any move, do any bump. And he used to wear this neon singlet, like a butcher cut. So it was one strap. And he used to wear this, this singlet. It was like a crotch cut singlet with a butcher top. And it was neon green, neon pink. So he stood out. And right. every and he and he worked every taping and he worked multiple matches every taping because everybody all the all the names wanted to work with him because he could just do anything, and he was super talented. He passed away unfortunately at a young age. He had a seizure mm. and and passed away at, you know probably before he was forty. But he was the sweetest, nicest guy, um, and he was one of these guys that you know I met him on that Cody Boynes show I was telling you about before that public access show, and he was always very encouraging like. Uh, Later on, when he would see me on some shows, he was always really, really, oh, man, I'm so glad you're doing it. I see you doing well. Like, just always very encouraging. And, you know, um, one of the other guys I saw early, early, early on was Perry Saturn when he had, like, long hair and was a skinny pickle, man. Like, he, you know, he always had muscle on him, but he was real trim. And uh, Perry was always a good dude. Um, I remember wrestling Perry and John Cronus, the Eliminators, in one of Jeff Costa's shows in front of like 40 people in Hudson, New Hampshire. And then, I don't know, three, four years later, I'm wrestling Perry Saturn in front of 11,000 people in Boston, him and Dean Malenko. And wow. it was so funny when I locked up with him, I said, hey, man, it's just like New Hampshire. And then he punched me in the face as hard as he could. So, um, <laughs> but if you knew, if you knew, nothing if you knew, like New Hampshire. Well, no, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't animosity because Perry was always stiff and he would tell you and he said, you can hit me as hard as I hit you. So he's like, if you if that match is available, like he, he, he crushes me and then he puts me against the ropes and clotheslines me. And I feel like I'm going to go through the ropes. Like he clotheslined me so hard. And then, uh, but then I, you see me, I just cream him. I just punch him right back. And he, and he always said the same thing. He's always, when you hit him, he's like, great, good, good. He'd be screaming at you. Like he was always like a, he was always a very like serious guy, like very all business. Not that you couldn't get him to smile or laugh once in a while, but he was all business, man. And he was a pro, like he was a badass, like he was a legit badass, you know? 
So um, I knew he came into some trouble later on, but Perry was a guy that we admired way back in the day as well, you know. And then some of the guys I came up with, Colossus, and uh, who's actually still wrestling a little bit. He's got to be, he's a few years older than me. And then we've lost a few along the way too, unfortunately, you know. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, there's, there's a couple of guys still wrestling that broke me in. And most of the guys are either gone and a few have passed away, unfortunately. But, you know, I still see them around, but it's, uh, and then, uh, you know, some of the Kowalski guys I got to know later on, John Callahan, who wrestled the Sergeant Muldoon, he was in Jeff Costa's first class. I mean, pardon me, Kill Kowalski's first class. I got to meet a lot of those guys, Tim and Sean O'Reilly. They were all on like the Kowalski shows that he used to run like in high schools in the eighties and nineties. Um, Brian Walsh, who is still, one of the big, best talents you can can actually catch some Brian Walsh matches if you watch some old WCW Nitro. He wrestled as Billy Pierce, and he was one of these like real. He could do the European style because he would wrestle in England a lot. And this is the '80s and '90s. Like a guy goes to England, you think that's two million miles away. Like you think that's outer space back then. You know, you didn't even, you know, you don't realize it's about the same. Like for me, England is about the same distance as. Los Angeles, but you just don't look at it like that, you know, but those guys were, and Brian Walsh was the first guy where I was the heel. He was the baby face and he was wrestling. He was carrying me and making me look good. And I was shocked because I was a year in the business, you know? Um, but, and you know, he's kind of an enigma because, and Brian Walsh is also a trivia question as far as when Al Snow did that failed gimmick, that avatar gimmick where he would, take the mask off and wrestle and put it back on after yeah. Brian Walsh was in the Brian Walsh was in the ring. And supposedly the rumor is that Brian did better than Al did because Al couldn't figure out the gimmick yet. So it was, uh, you know, it was one of those things, but it was that they put him in the ring with Brian because they knew that, you know, Brian would give him a good match. So those are the guys that kind of really, you know, came in before me. So, and obviously kill Kowalski, whose coaching tree is huge. Um, if you've been trained by Kowalski or someone by Kowalski, your coaching tree goes all the way back to Ed Strangler Lewis because Strangler Lewis trained Luthez, Luthez trained Killer Kowalski, and Killer Kowalski trained all of us or all our trainers, pretty much. So, um, and now his his coaching tree has to have 10, 15 branches on it with thousands of people now, at least hundreds, you know. So, it's uh, and I still train in Fall River. I still train a couple times a month. And a lot of those people I call grandbabies now because they were trained by people I trained. A lot of those people were trained by Mike Bennett, Matt Taven, uh, Vincent, Vinny Marcellia. Like, so I, and I, and I, you know, those are all people that I had a big hand in, in working out and training with. And now I'm training some of their people. I'm actually training guys I trained. I'm actually training their kids now, which is hilarious. Um, you know, so it's, uh, it's been it's been fun and I, I, I love it. I'm, 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 I'm excited to see what the future holds. Um, and now I've become one of those older guys, but it's I, I, I have a blast watching people do it. And it's fun teaching them a lot of the old school stuff that doesn't get taught anymore because there's so much you can borrow from it. I, I keep I definitely keep my eye on the on the future as well. And I definitely keep my eye on the present. But you can borrow a lot from the past, you know. So, yeah. You mentioned something uh, of the ones that we lost along the way, and this week we actually lost two 
Uh, we lost old and only Anderson and Virgil. Uh, have you had an opportunity to meet either of these gentlemen and tell us about your experience if you have? Uh, I met Virgil a couple times on the Indies and a couple times on at TV. Um, Oli, I never, I never met. I met Arn a couple times. Oli walked by me a couple of times. I was too scared to say hi to him. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Virgil, I met. I the last time I saw him was my goodness, last year at a convention in I think in Philly at the twenty three hundred arena, and he didn't look good, and you could tell he was. He, he was ill. He wasn't well. Um, he'd lost a lot of weight. Didn't seem like he was really, um, you know, at his best mentally. I mean, he's still smiling and, and people were taking care of him. And I was happy to see that. And everybody was kind to him. But you could tell that it was, you know, it was kind of the thing that was, it looked to me that it was kind of the thing that was keeping him alive. So, and, and, and we knew that he was sick. Somebody had said something maybe a year ago or a year and a half ago that he wasn't well. So, you know, that's, that's unfortunate. I know Oli's been struggling for a while. Um, his book, Oli's book is a screen. If you ever read it, it's one of the best wrestling books. Um, but my favorite line, and I'm going to keep this clean because I don't want it, to, it, it's uh, not my, not my, I, Victor, I swear like a truck driver in person, but we're going to pretend that I don't. Um, <laughs> but I, I love the fact that he had a uh, he had a he, he put a book out and he said he was talking about a woman and he said this woman is a effing c word and in the book the f word is censored but the c word isn't so I thought mm. that was really funny that they, they edited out one word and not the other one so um, but it was uh, his book is awesome if you ever read it it's it's super interesting. He has a really strong point of view, but he's brilliant. He was a brilliant guy. Um, and I just, you know, one of the few people that Vince McMahon would never allow back. 40 years ago, he told Ole he'd never work for WWF, WWE, and he never did. So, but he was a legend. I encourage the young guys and even the young girls, like, watch how Ole works. Watch how he locks up. Watch how he does a lot of stuff. Like, just brilliant and Virgil you know took advantage of an opportunity did it to the best of his ability and then ended up getting a nice wrestling career out of it too I remember when he I remember when he wrestled for Mario Savoldi as soul train Mike Jones way back in the day and I remember he wore like the same kind of trunks those like striped white but I think they were white with black stripes he used to wear them once in a while he was more known for the white with the with the red stripes but he would wear these and I was like and so when I saw him as Virgil, I said, is that the same guy? That is that that Soul Train Mike Jones guy? And it ended up being the same guy. And then he ended up wearing the same tights later on. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's definitely him. So, um, but yeah, you know, two guys that had a, a, a legacy and a career. And, you know, yeah, they might have slipped later on. But I, I choose to remember them in their primes. And, and Ole left a hell of a legacy behind them. He got a lot of baby faces over. He booked a lot of territories. He ran a lot of companies. Also a very successful man as a, he ran a lumber mill for years too, very successfully. And, and, and he retired a wealthy man, you know? So, um, and then, uh, you know, Virgil, I don't know if he retired a wealthy man, but I know he made a lot of friends along the way and had a very nice career. And like I said, just ran with opportunities. And as Victor knows, you know, Victor's run with some opportunities himself. And I have too, so you got to take advantage of these, you know, 
somebody hands you a little breadcrumb, you got to try to make a meal out of it the best you can. So, um, but yeah, RIP to both those gentlemen. And they both, you know, I know Oli lived until past 80. I know Virgil, you know, unfortunately didn't live as long as he wanted to, but both had full lives and God bless both of them and their families. I hope they're good. But yeah, just, I really don't have anything but fond memories. And like I said, I choose to, I choose to think of those guys in their, in their primes because I think that's how they would want to be remembered. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, real quick, let's, let's dig into the ring of honor, your time in ring of honor. Um, sure. Where I'm at you. Um, like I said, we were at the, the ECW arena and you walked yes, across sir. the ring and we locked up and we started moving around. Tell us about your time in ring of honor. And you, know, you did mention a lot of guys that you work with in terms of helping them and training and working out with them. Um, you know, so go through your, your time from the moment you got there to the moment that you decided to go and start doing some more independent things and start running your own company as well. Well, I started I, I started getting a couple of dark matches. Gabe Sapolsky, because this is back when Gabe Sapolsky was the booker. Um, Gabe had a soft spot in his heart for me because he was from Boston. And some of the first and he told me some of the first independent wrestling shows he went to, I was on. So he always had a fun spot in his heart. So you never know how you're going to affect people. Right. So when I got in touch with him and I, you know, it was, I think it was email at the time I emailed him and I said, Hey, you know, I heard you giving guys opportunities. I know I'm not exactly, you know, I was in my mid thirties at the time I'm asking for this. I said, I know you're not, you're probably not used to, you know, used to giving young guys shots and dark matches, but I'd love a pre-show match if I could get one. And all I did is ask for an opportunity. And he said, yeah, come on down. So I worked with, I actually worked with, um, I forget what his wrestling name was. He had the, who was the, what's the name of the lead character in Fight Club again? Durden, Kyle Durden. So this, yeah. uh, it was, it's, it's, it's the gentleman, it's, it's Kyle, the gentleman who does the announcing for NWA now. He was actually a Ring of Honor Dojo student at the time. And I, he was my first match in, in Ring of Honor. Um, my second match in Ring of Honor was with Rhett Titus. And my third match was with a kid named uh, Alex. I think it was Alex Payne. But there's been a few Alex Payne. So, um, but they were all like nice young guys and just got them through matches. I was in terrible shape at the time. No, not an ounce of muscle on me, just fat. I was, I was training people and I was running my own shows, but I really wasn't looking to do it as a career. Uh, as far as wrestling and, and make really going national or anything, I was happy in my little New England area. And then, uh, so I didn't really visit it much. And then, but the turning point was I had Terry Taylor in, and this is when Terry was at Impact Wrestling, TNA Wrestling. And I had him come in and he did a seminar and he's like, oh, and, he, and I didn't really, usually when I run a school, I don't really um, if, if I have a coach in for a seminar, I just let them do their thing. I was setting up for a show. I stayed out of the way. Um, all I did was I locked up and he goes, Oh, that's a good lockup. Uh, great. You know, it's good to see, you know, and, and all my people could lock up and were pretty fundamentally sound. So, but I left to do other things and I just said, Hey, how, oops, I'm sorry. I, I threw you. Hold on. I'm going to put you right. back. There we go. We're back. There we go. We're back. Corded, corded headphones, right? Um, <laughs> so the, so I, so I had Terry in and, and I said, oh, and I said, how, how did everybody look? He's like, oh, they look fine. They're good. You know, you, you have really strong students, very fundamentally sound, green, 
but yeah, they're nice kids. They're doing well. And I said, great. And so I, I had a match with a young man named Ray Diamond who was 17 or 18 at the time. And I had been training Ray since he was 14. Um, so I had a couple of young guys that I was training. Um, and uh, great, great kids. Still talk to them now. They're married with families now. That's how old I am. But um, had a two out of three falls match with Ray in front of 40 people on a show that we did as a fundraiser and they didn't promote it. It was just a miserable show. But I said, hey, the show must go on. And Terry Taylor was there watching and he comes back and he goes, that match was really good. And I go, oh, thanks, man. And I'd take twice of it. I'm paying him a grand to come in or whatever it was. I, you know, he's like, no, I'm not saying that because you're paying me money. I'm saying that because it was you're really good. And I said, thank you. You know, but again, he, he goes around, you know. I don't know this guy too. You know, he's one of my favorite wrestlers growing up, which was cool, but I don't know him that well. He's like, no, you're really good. You should, you know, and I, and so we had breakfast the next day before I went to the airport. And I said, you know, how did everybody look? Let's go over everybody. He's like, and he looked at me, he goes, the only one I would hire is you. And all the, and he's like, and I said, I was about to, I was about to quit. He's like, why would you quit? I go, because I didn't think he's like, no, you need to be in this business. He's like, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can hire you, but I'm going to try. And if I can't hire you, you still should be in this business because you're you're a really good trainer and you're a really good wrestler and the business needs more people like you. And I was shocked because I had just met this man. And for him to say that to me was really like, you got to, this is a guy I watched growing up. He was literally one of my top favorite wrestlers. I, I've become very good friends with him since then. But it was one of those things where like, you just didn't expect it. And then we had Ron Simmons in and Ron Simmons said the same thing. He's like, yeah, your guys are good. I'm going to try to get you a dark match in WWE. If I can, he had Sergeant Slaughter call me and then him and Sergeant Slaughter got fired the next week. So I was like, gee, I hope it wasn't because of me. You know, I hope they didn't take a stand, but that started getting my wheels turning about maybe doing this a little bit better. So I got to the gym. I started dropping weight, got a little bit more serious about it. And then I found out and then two, two very important things happened to me to make me really want to go to ring of honor. First of all, Jim Cornette got hired. Um, and Jim Cornette is legitimately my oldest friend in wrestling. I've known him since I was a fan and Kevin Kelly got hired and Kevin Kelly is my best friend. Kevin Kelly, the announcer who's on AEW now collision, his son is my godson. So this is where it started getting interesting. And Kevin said, look, we haven't announced it yet but you better keep getting in shape because there's going to be a tryout camp. And this is going to be your best shot to get something in ring of honor. And I said, okay. So I brought 30, it was me and 12 other guys. I paid, I paid my money. I was at the first ever Victor's been to a couple of these the ring of honor trial camps, Victor. I can absolutely attest. And you can too, that they were not at work. They were legitimate. I paid, I paid money and I got a nice education out of it and got myself a job out of it. Uh, me and Mike Bennett came in. We did a lot of the drills together. Um, I did my Bob thing. I did how I wrestled, how I wanted to wrestle. I said, I actually asked Terry Taylor, do you have any advice for me on this? And he said, be you. Don't do, don't, don't try to be a ring of honor guy. Be you. I was very fortunate because Delirious is a very open-minded trainer and booker. He's taught me a ton too. I really should mentor. I really should talk to him about being one of my trainers or one of my mentors. Cause he really taught me a lot about the business too. But he was one of the guys who saw my value. And so 
Mike Bennett got a contract out of it and I got an eight year run out of it. But, and I, in, in, in my tryout match, I wrestled Matt Taven, Matt kicked a hole in my face. I bit, I bit, a, I bit a hole through my gum. My mouth was spitting blood Poor bird who was, uh, the ring crew guy for years. He's the ring crew guy at AEW now. He was the referee in our match. And he started like, I, I was doing something and I spit blood all over his shirt. And I said, damn it. I'm just trying to get an effing job here. And to the point where, like, at the end of the match, I got a two-minute standing ovation just for the effort. It wasn't the best match they've ever seen, but, boy, did I want it. I wanted it. You know, it's the thing I wanted the most. It was my biggest shot, at rest, and I got it. And I got eight years out of it with everybody saying, why is this guy in the company? Why is it here? And then Jim Cornette calls me and says, yeah, but you're not going to be wrestling. You're going to be a manager. And I'm like, okay, I'll be a manager. And it was for like almost it was like 75 bucks a shot and he would cover my gas and it wasn't for every show. It was just for TV. And I managed Mike Bennett to the absolute best of my ability and suffered, you know, it was a lot of early growing pains, learning the guys in the company. And, you know, a lot of the guys didn't want us there. A lot of resentment early on. We're all friends now, but back in the day, this is 10, 15 years ago, guys, you know, different business, different time. Everybody's older now. Everybody has kids. But um, back then, they didn't really want us in the company that much. And so we had to prove ourselves over and over and over again. And then about a year and a half into my shot as a manager, I just sat down and I said, hey, I've done everything you guys have asked me. Can I have some matches? And they started putting me in a couple of matches here and there, tag matches with Mike Bennett, a TV match with Eddie Edwards that I'm super proud of. Eddie Edwards got screamed at by all his friends. And I won't name them because we're all buddies now. But back then... They said, why are, you giving, why are you giving Brutal Bob a 50-50 match on TV? And Ed Edwards said, because at 17 years old, when I needed, when I needed guys to take care of me, he took care of me on the, on the independence in New England. And that's why Eddie Edwards will always be a class act in my, you know, and I talked to him about it a couple of years ago, and he's like, I remember that. Like, he, he, he confirmed the story for me because I, don't, I, don't I try not to lie, you know, and I try not to exaggerate because we all do, but I try not to. And then um, – just kept going along, going along, and then had the team with Cheeseburger because I saw him struggling at a camp. And I said, put me in. I'll tag with the, the new guy, the, the, the little black kid who runs around and does everything around here and doesn't seem to get any respect. I want to tag with him. I'm going to make him look fantastic. And we tagged, and we had a super fun match. And then they started putting us together as a team, the unlikely duo, the odd couple, whatever. And we did Brutal Burgers for a year. Then we split up. And... <laughs> Um, I remember we did, I was super disappointed because we weren't on the pay-per-view of final battle. We were the, we were the YouTube match, the dark match. So, but when they put the graphic up, I remember the place went wild. Like it was one of the featured pay-per-view matches. And I was really proud of that. And for a long time, we were the most viewed match on the ring of honor YouTube channel. So, um, and that was one of the proudest matches I had. And I was really happy to get him through a lot of early stuff in his career. And then. Tim Hughes shows up, uh, who I had met at the Monster Factory, and Tim Hughes was about to quit wrestling and decided to go to Ring of Honor for one more shot at a tryout camp. And Tim bears quite a resemblance to me. And they said, oh, he kind of looks like your son. And then we ran with that for a couple of years as Tough Guy Inc. And then Ring of Honor really wasn't using us very much. And we said, let's take the show on the road. If they're not buying what we're selling, let's go sell it to somebody else. And we did, a, we did an impact match, and we did an NWA match, and Tim and I have had almost 300 matches as a team on the road. 
over five or six years being a regular team. And we don't team as much now, but we're still really close and we talk all the time, but we just don't see each other as much. Um, and th- yeah, man, that's that's been the tra- trajectory. And then when I started doing the Ring of Honor trial camps, again, I paid for the first one. And then I went to about five for free and just started kind of, you know, because they'd have them every couple of months. And I just started inserting myself very respectfully. And luckily, Delirious and Jerry Lynn and a lot of the guys that were running the early camps, I was just kind of like, yeah, could I just say a quick thing? And I made sure this is another thing. If you're going to open your mouth and put yourself in the, in the spotlight, make sure you either do something awesome or say something awesome. I made sure that it was like my A++ like killer stuff. So when I made a point, I made sure it was incredible and like blew everyone away. And then by the time I did that, Delirious finally walked up to me. He's like, hey, man, like, do you want to come and like coach at these things? I'm like, sure. And I said, can I get a little money? And he started laughing. He's like, yeah, we'll pay you your rate like, and we'll pay for it. So I started doing that. Then later on, about 14 or 15 camps in, I would do a camp the night before at the Monster Factory. And we do we do Ring of Honor readiness camps. And I'd have eight or 10 people there because the camps, the camp, the coaches would change. And they were legitimate camps, but the format never changed. It was a rock solid format because it worked. So I would just teach them the format. It was almost like a little like SAT prep course the night before. And I'd say, this is exactly what's going to happen. Here are the coaches' strengths and weaknesses. And a lot of those guys and girls took the camp and it really helped them um, move forward at, at, at Ring of Honor and, and do better at the camp. So it was just me trying to find different ways. And again, this is what the WrestleLife.com is all about. This is just another way of finding, um, I'm going to pull over here and park. So, um, but this is another way of, of finding, uh, ways you can make this business work for you. than you work for the business, like, um, finding ways you can get a little more income in and, and, and make yourself more useful because independent wrestling is, there's a limited, you know, look, even the best shows draw, I've stopped now, so don't worry, but even the best shows draw like you know, five, 600 people, like that's your, that's your economy. That's what you're dealing with. So you have to find ways to, you know, with merchandise, I learned a lot about merchandise from the guys around me. Uh, Vincent back in the day, Vinny Marcellia, he had a different look back then. And he was almost like a heartthrob where the girls really liked him. The guys really liked him. People would buy different, people would go up and buy another shirt from him after they bought a shirt from him two months ago. Like they just keep buying stuff. He's like, yeah, man, like I might make 50 bucks at the show, but I might go home with 250 because I'm making 200 bucks of merchandise. I was like, holy cow, I have a lot to learn. And mm-hmm. so I would just keep learning things as it went. And it ended up kind of building a little business where I was encouraging people. I was like, yeah, like do this business, but do it right and do it more carefully. And, you know, I've Victor can Victor is certainly a person that can attest to this. Like I'm always I always have ideas for people about merchandise, about just different things they can do, make yourself, you know, make, have a podcast. This is another way you can make yourself more available. Like, and again, I'm still thinking of different ways. I I watched a couple of things about internet marketing where I'm going to just make my stuff better. And again, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy because it's, there's so much to learn, but there's also so much to teach. And that's where I've gone. So, you know, I'm still wrestling. I still love wrestling, but I wrestle for fun now. I might make a couple bucks at it, but I teach for money. Um, and that's, that's how it works. But that doesn't mean I'm like some hard ass that teaches for money, but, um, cause I, you know, I do a lot of free teaching as well, but it's, 
it's my strength. I'm A++ as a coach. I'm a B plus as a wrestler. So, but you put that together and it's an A. So that's, that's the package. So yeah, that's how it's, that, that's how it kind of went. I just used those ring of honor opportunities. And sometimes it was a two minute squash match to the, you know, to our, to our Viking friends, Ivar and, and Eric. Sometimes we were, you know, and Victor's been on that. Victor's been on that uh, deal too. See, he had to get up and leave. He's so scared of him. He thinks they're going to jump him right now. <laughs> but like we, they, might. Know, they might, you know. But you know, at, at grass, too, you, you mentioned merchandise. Yeah, at, at grass, you mentioned merchandise, and this oh, is there it is. it is. It said my wrestling shirt, and he said at a at a at a tryout, he said, "Look, get you a shirt, put on there my wrestling shirt." And let the guys go around and, and let them sign it. You know, people come up, they they buy merchandise, they get someone's picture, and they go to that. Hey, can you sign my picture? And it be somebody else's face. Like they buy a, uh, Bob Evans' picture, they come to Victor Andrews. Hey, can you sign my picture? Like it's not even me. Like, could you at least buy one of my pictures? But now if you buy a shirt that says my wrestling shirt, and they all autograph it, and you get, so that's one of his ideas that I took and, and made a lot of money from. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. That's and that's the thing, man. Like it's like you have you have a family to support, and I know you're very busy. You got your hand in a lot of things, and you 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 know you you run a lot of businesses. You do a lot of different things. You're always on the hustle. This is a way. Like, look, we're all we're all we're all going to wrestle, but the PO, the you know, the payoff, the payday is only going to be so much. Again, that's your economy. And how many shows, Victor, have we worked with? Has been fifty people, eighty people, hundred people, like. Okay, twenty bucks a ticket. That's two grand. If the if the expenses are eighteen hundred, <laughs> you know, it's not a lot for the promoter to go home with. So it's not like the promoter is stealing all the money, putting it in his pocket. There's just not a lot of money to go around sometimes. So you have to find a way to get that value add, and you have to find a way to like, you know, how can I how can I make a buck or two per person on average, and walk away with an extra eighty hundred bucks? I've been to shows where there's a hundred people and I've made two hundred bucks like extra. Not always. Sometimes you make $3 extra. Sometimes you make nothing. But at least you try. And you know what? Five, ten bucks, twenty bucks for as many times as you and I wrestle in a year, fifty, hundred times. That's a that's a house payment. That's a car payment. Like anything yeah. you can do to make wrestling pay, you know, or it's five hundred dollars in your IRA account. You know, open I tell people open an IRA account, put five dollars, five dollars of booking in there. Like that'll grow. It's not going to be a million dollars, but it'll grow. You know, that $5, by the time you're, you know, 60 years old, 70 years old, might turn into $20. So, right. you know, that's, and, and and I'm not talking about putting $5 in a year. I'm talking about every booking. So 250, 500 bucks. And then it, it'll also teach you how to invest. It'll also teach you how to do this stuff. Like make wrestling, have wrestling give you something back aside from aches and pains. And yeah, we all have fun stories. We all have cool stuff we can talk about, but there's ways to kind of make this again, make it work for you instead of us just hustling and, oh man, you know, it's going to cost me 58 bucks in gas and I'm only going to make 23, 25 bucks. I'm going to lose 33 bucks. Like, and then my wife's going to yell at me when I get home, why are you doing this? You're not making any money. I also call it the wrestlelife.com is also a way for your wife not to scream at you. Like, <laughs> legitimately like legitimately or your husband or your that's the money maker that, that's well, that should be the tagline <laughs> happy happy wife happy life like legit though because and and there's always somebody man like there's always somebody in our life that's going to say hey man i know you work hard at that you make any money at it 
And it's kind of nice, guys, now to say, yeah, I do make some money at it. I don't make all the money in the world, but, you know, I, I, I if I did it full time, I'd make a living at it. I just didn't want to hustle that much. And it, it just wasn't worth it for me. And I had to put wrestling. I had to make wrestling in my head be part time to make it effective for me. It's just the way, way it was. That's just the way I had to do it for me. Um, anybody else can do it differently. If you want to do it for a living, you can. There's ways to do it. But um, it's, again, it's just always being on the hustle, always working hard. And that's how I built my business and serving people. Um, Kevin Kelly taught me about it years ago, servant heart. How can find an audience and serve them to the best of your ability, find a market, find somebody who has a problem and solve it. And my problem was I see too many independent wrestlers be stretching themselves out so far that they lose family members. They fall into drugs. They fall into gambling. They drink too much. They think they're failures. You wrestle hundred matches a year, you're not a failure. You're, to me, you're a success. Now, if you lose everything for it, then maybe that's a different kind of failure and that's not the right way to look at it. But if you can wrestle, maybe you can wrestle 50 matches, keep your family life and enhance it where you make as much money in those 50 as you do in the 100. And now it's super productive for you and you get a lot more out of it. You're not as hurt. You're not in, not in less pain. Now you're going out and the, and the, and the trips mean more and you know, maybe, maybe somebody, maybe one of the big offices will look at you. Maybe they won't. And, you know, I don't know if you want to wrestle for a living, but at least if you go out there and you wrestle and you do, you do it to the best of your ability and you do it smarter, you know, the whole work smarter, not harder thing, work your ass off, work hard, but you can't just do a bunch of stupid stuff and, and run all over the place and run away to the circus and quit your full-time job and leave your family. Cause that's dumb, but you can definitely do it better. And I bet, most people can do it more, more effectively. I can almost guarantee that I could take anybody you hand me and you can do this more efficiently and more effectively. So more efficiently is obviously doing it in less time and more effectively is doing it better. So I can almost guarantee I can take just about anyone who's on the independence and teach them how to do it better. So that's kind of my, that's my brag. Everybody should have a brag how they can serve people. That's my brag. You know what? You hit on a, a lot of great points, man. And, and the, the overall thing that I really get is believing in yourself, right? And and no matter what other people are saying or how they feel about what you're doing, to believe in yourself that you can do it and to find a way to be able to make it work for you, right? Well, um, that's it. Well, that's it. The believe in yourself thing is great. We can all listen to motivational YouTube posts and we can post stuff on Facebook and Instagram and rah, 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 and that'll get us whooped up for five minutes. But if you have yeah. a good system and you have a good set of tools and instructions and mentors in your life, that's where it's going to be. That's where you're going to get the longevity. That's where it's going to, because it's going to get hard. It is going to mm -hmm. get hard and you can't just go, well, I just tough it out. Willpower. And you can't just say that it has to be, you have to have some sort of a system. And that's what I like to provide. I have a blueprint right in that site, the wrestle by the way, I'm not selling you anything. I'll give it to you for 30 days for free. So um, you know, pro wrestling .com. I won't even wait for the plugs. I'll do it right now. You go on there, 30 day free trial and you can cancel. It doesn't bother me. I, I make more money giving stuff away for free than a lot of people do charging. So, um, but I, I, I want you to check it out. I want you to see what's in there. I want you to look through my blueprint and yeah, I have notes, but I pretty much go off the, off, off the heart. I actually teach you how to have a better relationship with your family while you're doing this too. I also teach you how to bring your expenses down to almost nothing. Victor's, Victor's used these tricks. Victor, 
Victor's used a lot of these tips in his in his life. You drive, you can drive your expenses down by eighty percent. You can pay twenty cents on the dollar for your expenses if you listen to me. If you don't listen to me and you do it your own way, then you're going to get burned out real quick. I can put you in a nice car. I can put you in a nice hotel, and you won't be sleeping in a, a flea flea bag hotel. You'll be sleeping in good places, and you'll be building up those hotel points. You'll be building up those flight miles. I teach you how to do it all, and you know what? A lot of the stuff I teach you isn't even necessarily exactly the way you'll do it, but I'll inspire you to come up with your own ideas and then you can do it your own way. Everybody does it their own way. Everybody does it a little differently. But the point is, it's like, what can I do to make wrestling work for me? I had a guy send me, very nice guy. He's like, I'm flying out to Vegas and there wasn't any money in the budget to pay for my flight. So I just door dashed and, and he showed me, he literally showed me a screenshot of like the 20 door dashes he did to get his plane ticket going. And he's like, you know what? I did it over a couple of weeks. I was out there for maybe an hour a day. I didn't kill myself and now I have a plane ticket. And I said, you know, some people may dislike that. Some people may disagree with that and they might call you a mark, but guess what? I can count 95% of the businesses in America that started with their own money. And all you're doing is investing in yourself and you're trying to go do something. And guess what? He went to Vegas and he got 10 more bookings out of it. So I guess that worked out pretty well for him. So again, you're, put, you're paying for your own flight, but it got you a lot of, it got you a lot of action once you got there. Now I'm not saying just go places go work for free and get taken advantage of you go places you network it's like going to a trade show you, you know when you go to a trade show you pay for the spot but then you meet a lot of people and you build business relationships you establish business relationships you don't go to just set up the ring and bitch that you're not wrestling that night that's a mess you go there and you you meet the promoter you ask who else is wrestling in the town you learn what the crowd wants you see what the crowd might need and you start looking at those things and that's how you get better and that's how you serve the market. Hey, I noticed you didn't have one of these. I can do that. Or even if that doesn't work, I noticed you don't have one of these. I know a guy or a girl who can who can do that and I can wrestle them if you don't have anybody to wrestle them. Hey man, thanks so much. Hey, yeah, you know what? We do have a spot open for the show in May. All of a sudden the doors start flying open for you because you started thinking about what they need instead of what you need. And that's where it really opens up. So that's my biggest piece of advice I can give people like find a market and serve it, figure out what people want, figure out what their biggest problem is and solve it, you know, and it isn't good wrestlers. There's a million good wrestlers out there. Victor's a good wrestler. I'm a good wrestler. If we relied on good wrestling, that's so what, you know, I love watching Victor's workouts because they're crazy. When he did the sit up into the stand up, and then he did the around the world with the kettlebell. I'm like, I could do those like each, but I couldn't do them all at once. Like that was crazy. You know, um, you know, I'm a kettlebell guy too. So anytime somebody shows me good stuff on a kettlebell, I'm all about it. But th this is, but that's where Victor kind of stands out, right? You guys stand out because you do this wrestling podcast. The intro's right. different. Again, you're starting to get a little traction here because you're doing it a, a little, a tiny bit differently than everybody else. You know, Conrad Thompson, who was already a millionaire, found a way to just, he's like, I pay Bruce Pritchard to come to my house and have 10 of my friends over. And we ask him questions, man, this could be a podcast. Now he makes a million dollars. He makes probably like $4 million a year doing that now, because I know some of the guys, like supposedly the rumor is that Bruce makes a million bucks doing, doing the podcast. And like Tony Schiavone and these guys are making six figures doing podcasting. Look, Tony Schiavone got his whole wrestling career back doing that podcast. He did, and, right. and and a new best friend in Kevin Kelly because Kevin Kelly's like Tony Schiavone's awesome, like and he's my favorite. Tony Schiavone and Gorilla Monsoon are my two favorite announcers. So and I, unfortunately I didn't get a chance to meet Gorilla, but I'm hoping to meet 
Tony someday. But again, this is how you differentiate people. This is how you reinvent yourself. And it's, I agree, uh, Brian, it is about believing in yourself, but you also have to be a little bit more strategic about it than just rah, rah, rah. The belief is, okay, I'm going to do a good job and I can do this. But when you get shot down, that's when it's like, you can't take it too personally. You can't get, and we all do, but you can't take it too personally. You can't get emotional and you have to take a deep breath and go, okay, so how do I come back and give them something else? Right? Victor Andrews couldn't get a sniff. Then Victor Andrews started cutting people's hair and then they said, hey man, let's pay you. And he's like, how about a match? Oh, I can give you a match. That's easy. If Victor Andrews had come up and asked for a match after doing nothing, they would have said, they, he would have been the laughing stock of the locker room. Can you imagine this kid walks up to us after just walking into a locker room and asking for a match at Ring of Honor? Who the hell does he think he is? But he served first. He found a way to give something. He reached out and gave, handed something to somebody instead of looking for something to give to them. And then all of a sudden, when he asked the question, Victor, it was five seconds and you had a match. Like it was yeah. the easiest, easiest ask you've ever had. So... And again, I, I'm sure you've told that story on here. And if you haven't, please do sometime. But it's that's once you start serving people, they start going, man, he really did offer me a lot of value in my life and in my business. Now he's asking me for this small favor in in proportion to what I what he gave me. So I'm going to give it to him. Sure. Easy. You know, again, I waited. I waited a year and a half and it was a long time. It felt like it felt like five years and a half to manage at ring of honor. And then I sat down and I said, I've done everything you've asked me to do. I just want a chance to wrestle. Jim Cornette looked at delirious delirious looked at Jim Cornette goes, I think we can arrange that. It was as easy as that. And it was, I had half a dozen matches in the next year that I wouldn't have had if I didn't open my mouth at the right time. But again, I offered value first. I kept my mouth shut. When I made mistakes, I, owned up to it, took responsibility and did better next time. The one good thing you can be to people is you can make mistakes. Just don't make the same mistake twice because that shows you right. didn't listen and you didn't learn. So that's where, uh, I think I added value. And that's, again, I'm always trying to add value. I'm always offering free stuff online. I have a class. I have a class coming up that I charge 50 bucks for usually, or a hundred dollars. If you talk to me on the phone, I'm going to give it to people for four 99 and I'm going to give them a free month on the rest of life. It's coming up in the next couple of weeks. It's an hour class that teaches you how to go and it tell all the stuff I just talked about, how to network. I tell you what to say. I tell you what to wear. I tell you how to walk in. I tell you who to talk to. It is a, it is an hour blueprint. It's not a lead magnet. It's not a fake ass class. It's not a webinar where I talk to you for an hour about nothing. And then I give you one little piece of advice. It's value all the way through. And it's going to be five bucks and a, and a, and a $50 value because I'm giving you a free month on my class. Like, and it ain't a sales pitch. It's legit. And cancel after. I don't care. You know, but there's going to be the best five bucks you ever spent. This is this is the stuff that I do. I'm not going to charge a hundred bucks for a class. I, I, no, you don't know me. You don't know who I am. Victor, you know me. You might pay it, but you're not everybody. I got to meet these people where they are. And I got to say, hey, give me five bucks. Give me an hour of your time and I'll change your career. And then once you do that, holy cow, man, like, that's when the waterfall starts happening. That's when things start really rolling. And that's, again, podcasts the same way. Like, just tell everybody you know about the podcast. Tell everybody you know about this. Like, Victor, you have a tremendous reputation. Everybody likes you. Brian, I'm sure you're the same way. Usually everybody kind of has the same, they run in the same group. Like, 
this is this could be a tremendous opportunity for you guys and i'm sure you've already grown leaps and bounds and like i said i've been hearing a lot about you so that's where it is man just effort being smart what you do smart social media smart offering service what can we do how can we help you that's i built my brand on it like and i didn't really try to build a brand i just tried to build a business and i just tried to help as many people as i could and i do every day i do every day you know and once in a while they still call you a villain but like i said I'm, i did a facebook post the other day i said 10 people this week called me a hero one people call, one person called me a villain it still hurts harder it still hits harder when they call you a villain you know mm-hmm. but you the 10 to 1 ratio is still a pretty damn good ratio so just help as many people as you can and and you'll you'll leave a legacy you know absolutely that's absolutely great advice man and uh you know, right now, I think I'm going to give you the opportunity to choose what choose. you want to be. Whether you want to be the villain that everyone paints you out to be or whether you <laughs> want to be the hero that we know you are. For some strange reason, Mr. Everything has a beef with everybody on this show. And uh, we give them a little bit of uh, opportunity to kind of flex their vocal muscles. Oh, um, I got you. Okay. Brutal Bob Evans. <laughs> Prepare uh, yourself, sir. Uh, we're going to go to promo school okay. with Mr. Everything, and we're going to do the battle of the promos. Okay. <laughs> Our best damn promo. Ooh. Uh, Victor Andrews, do you want to go first, or do you want Brutal Bob to knock your ass out? I want, I want Uncle to go ahead and give me his his best one too. All right. Well, here we go. I'll see. I'll see what I can do on the fly. But uh, well, Victor Andrews, we have a long history, a long history, and you've mentioned it today. The fact that for over ten years you've been taking classes from me. In fact, our whole friendship started, like you said, at that twenty three hundred arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. On Rittner, on Rittner Ave, where you and I just got in the ring and we tied up. And I swear to God, every couple of years, we're always locking up again. The problem is, Victor, is that, again, I've talked about it today where don't make the same mistake twice. I have. I've fallen to that beautiful but vicious high cross body of yours. I have so Ooh. much admiration and love for you, but that doesn't mean that I can't put that aside and be all business. One more time, Victor. One more time. Now, I'll go to your house. I'll go, I'll go to the Carolinas if I have to. I'll drive a 1,000 miles to do it. You can come to me. We can meet in the middle. I know we've been in neutral territory where you shocked the world, where they actually had the trophy written out for my team, and you beat me, and they had to cross it out, put another hand on the trophy in Kansas, and you, know, you, you shocked the world, disrupted the whole deal, and I don't think I'm going to let you do that again because I have for a long time been a nice guy. But again, man, you've hung with Bob and I've hung with you. But really, really, Victor, again, the teacher has become the student. In those five years we haven't wrestled, I've come up with a lot more stuff. I've learned. I've taught. I've been through it so many more times. And now I'm going to challenge you one more time. And you know what? I'm not even going to play anymore, Victor. Let's do it. Iron Week rules. Doesn't have to be during Iron Week. We'll do Iron Man 60 minutes, most falls, but it's Iron Week Brutal Bob rules. What do you say? 
what do I say? What do you say to a man who's pretty much put his hand on you and said, you got this? From the first time you've met me, you walked up to me and you grabbed me and you said, you got this. When I felt down and out about where I, what opportunities I was not getting, you looked at me and you said, why are you pretending? Why are you pretending to be a professional wrestler? Why are you acting like a professional wrestler? Why are you trying to be a professional wrestler when you already are? And that stuck with me for a very long time, uncle. For a very long time. Every word you've ever said to me, every opportunity you've ever given to me, every chance you have given me, has stuck with me for a very long time. We have always been the uncle of professional wrestling. You have had your hand on every individual that anyone can name of in a professional wrestling business, in a professional wrestling sport. Like you said, the teacher has become the student. So maybe it's time for the nephew to become the uncle. You want Victor Andrews in Iron Week. You want a 60-minute Iron Man match with Mr. Everything, Victor Andrews. I say no to that. I say mm. no to giving you, Brutal Bob, a 60-minute Iron Man match to Victor Andrews. And instead... I give you a 60-minute Iron Man match with Roosevelt. You see, because Roosevelt is the creator of Victor Andrews. Victor Andrews is a fictional character. Victor Andrews is a guy who lived the life that Roosevelt actually created. You wanted to fight of your life? Don't expect to step in the ring with Victor Andrews. Expect to have a fight, a war with Roosevelt. Got, got chills going down my spine real quick. Y'all like that? <laughs> oh, man. Is that good? Is that good? Is that all right? Uh, I think that was good, fellas. Yeah, that was good. I like that. <laughs> I, I, I would love I, to I'm, see you guys at the ring. Here. I'm so proud of this guy, man. What a what a what a what a I mean, just to see him grow and, and just do all the stuff he's done and it's been a blessing, man. And what a what a that was a great promo, dude. Like I'm I'm now I'm excited. I want to see the match. I, I wish I don't have to be in it. I just want to watch it. You know. But that's it. We talk about you know real life. I want to give you your flowers really quick because um you, you mentioned how you've helped so many guys and and i can attest to everything you said for your, the wrestle life um how you've helped the guys to training um giving opportunities i remember you contacting me and you saying victor i need you to get on a plane to colorado and i said all right cool not a problem i didn't ask no questions i didn't say how am i going to get there i didn't say oh i don't have no money you said get here there's a big opportunity for you i know you can do very well I jumped on that plane. I've never been to Colorado. I went out there. I got my plane ticket. I got my hotel. I went out there and I wrestled for Mountain Pro Wrestling. And it was an amazing experience. I've got to uh, learn some things from Al Snow. I've got to become really good friends with uh, Marty the Mouth. Um, and and wrestled every, every night that I was there. Wasn't I even supposed to be in wrestle once and got a match every night. Um, 
and that afforded me an opportunity to go down to Florida to try out for Italy. And and every time you have said, Victor, I need you to be here, it was never a hesitation because I knew what would come from it. And, and I want to say that you are truly and has always been an esteemed blessing to my life, to my career. You know, my kids, we have the, the crazy picture with, <laughs> with Tim cropped into the picture. Um, but even, even when you called me and said, hey, come to come to Massachusetts and yep. uh, Pennsylvania, come to Pennsylvania. And I want you to try for these Canadian guys. And yep. I went up there and you always had this confidence in me whether it it would seem like I had it or not, you always had that extra boost of confidence for me to say, I'm going to contact Victor. I'm going to tell him to bring a couple of guys because I know he'll bring really good guys and they're going to come up here and they're going to do their thing. And what happens from it happens from it. But at the end of the day, I know Victor is not going to let me down. And I, I promise to you with every part of my life, every being <laughs> in me that i'm never going to let you down that i'm always going to be your victor andrews and when the time comes i am going to be uncle victor andrews to all the guys that come up under me and i'm going to let them know this is uncle bob's way and this is the way that we're going to walk into it I, I, I it's love always it. a successful way and i thank, thank you so much thank you man i really appreciate that and yeah i just want to make one more little comment i gotta i gotta run here because uh they're screaming for me to come in but um, it's, uh, well, you know, when you show up every day, they count on you to show up every day. It's a, a, another good, another good example. Right. Um, but I remember that camp and, 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 and unfortunately I'm not with those guys anymore, just different philosophies at, at AXW in Pennsylvania, but God bless them. They have a show March 30th. Please support them. Very nice guys. Just philosophically didn't work out. It's okay. Everybody's still friends. Everybody still gets along. Uh, but we had a Canadian camp. I had uh, Drew Onyx in. Drew Onyx is basically the Uncle Bob of Montreal, very influential guy. I had a couple of my friends from JCW, Barabas and uh, Billy. They both came in uh, from, uh, you know, they draw nothing but people. Their big shows draw 2,000 people. And uh, Victor drew a short, a very weird straw because I said, yeah, they're going to wrestle this guy with very little experience. He's like, give him to me. And he got a he got one of the best matches of the camp out of a guy who didn't even belong in the ring with him. Never mind wrestle him. Didn't even belong in the building. And he and he and he made him look like a champ. And that's uh, that's a professional right there. And that showed his development. And it gave me flashbacks. I'm almost misty right now, crying about. It, but it, it it gave me flashbacks of me taking him in the ring and saying, "Hey, come on, kid, let's go." And he was a lot more prepared than this poor guy was. But Victor made the guy feel good. I could see how professionally was and the guy felt great about it and <clears throat> holy cow that was one of the best camp performances i'd ever seen i just wish i could put it on national tv and say look how far this guy's come i swear he would have gotten a job that day but unfortunately victor that's how it is man you just got to work hard in silence and 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 you know just keep doing what you're doing and and you know again i wish nothing but great things for you guys um and uh i hope we can do this again down the road i'm happy to do it um if if there's a if there's a demand for it um, and I'd love to, I'd love to talk to you guys more about it. So thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, the wrestlelife.com, check it out. Uh, pro wrestling, uh, Those will get you to the same place and, uh, look out for that class. That class is going to be awesome coming up 499 and, uh, it'll be a lot of fun.
And uh, again, I hope to see you guys down the road. And Victor, get ready for that 60-minute Broadway, baby. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Uncle. All right, man. I will talk to you guys later. I love you both very much. God bless you both, and I'll see you soon. All right. God bless you. you. All right, man. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. All right. Oh, Ryan, how you feel? How you feel about the interview with Brutal Bob Evans? Oh, man, you know what? I was very inspired by Brutal Bob Evans, man. And, and the thing that really got me was uh, his ability to want to give and to serve and, and help the younger guys that were coming up uh, under him and, and some of the people that you train with, man. That is a, a calling, and not a lot of people have that on them. And, and I think that he wants to show people how to do it the right way. And I think in that industry uh, of the wrestling or sports entertainment industry, you need guys like that. I think that he is essential to every locker room uh, because he wants to catch a lot of wrestlers before that downfall, man. And I think that he's a blessing to a lot of people, man. So it was it was an absolute honor to sit there and talk to him and interview him. And um, when he started mentioning about New England, I was about to ask him, do he like clam chowder? You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> I like that ride. But uh, I thought that he gave a, a great uh, interview, man. And I would love to see more uh, from Brutal Bob Evans. So uh, you are an alumni of the Best Damn Wrestling Podcast. Anytime you want to come on, you can come on to this show. Uh, fans, you guys go check out uh, Wrestling Life, WrestleLife.com. Um, to see what he got going on, man. And I, I think that it's absolutely uh, necessary for the young guys and girls that are coming up in wrestling to have uh, a mentor like that. And he mentioned some things. It's not just about believing in yourself, but it's about setting yourself up to win. You know what I'm saying? Getting if wherever you want to be, finding mentors. You know what I'm saying? Uh, do your research. You know what I'm saying? Make yourself better. Uh, and then how to market yourself. A lot of these things, a lot of people don't think about until later on and, 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 you know, of how they want to market themselves or present themselves, present their character um, and present who they are to the world. And I think that can go uh, transcend past wrestling to sports entertainment or even if you want to be a brand yourself and how to market your brand. So um, I was digging everything that he was saying, man. And if, if you're a, a young up and coming wrestler in the game, uh, you might want to go check out WrestleLife.com and see what Brutal Bob Evans got going on. Or if you would need uh, just some motivation outside of wrestling. Man, wrestlers can be some of the most motivational, inspirational people that you will ever hear from. Because they really know the struggle. And they really fight for their lives on both ends of the spectrum. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So when you hear these stories... You just don't look at them like wrestlers. I look at these like people that you can learn from. And some of the stories that you hear from people from their sobriety to uh, the love and support of their partners to falling from grace and then reaching the mountaintops and then having all of these highlights and accolades, but still humbling yourself enough to talk and, and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm nobody special. I just want to be able to help people. And I think that that is uh, a great thing for somebody to have that much experience and have, have been through the different eras of wrestling in different companies, man, and still have that humility to come and say, hey, uh, I just want to give back. So I thought that he gave a great interview, man. Thank you for setting that up. I think that was absolutely 
an amazing interview and I think that a lot of people could learn something or a lot of something from Brutal Bob Evans. Absolutely, absolutely. Man, listen, these interviews are only going to get better and better. If you guys are not paying attention yet, you better start paying attention now because we got some big things. <laughs> big teams coming, big teams coming. Big um, teams. Do do we want to do we want to reveal one of the big teams we got coming up pretty soon here, brother? Uh, well, I think we're gonna hold off and make them squirm a little bit. You know what I'm saying? We gotta, we're gonna make them squirm. I like I like making them squirm because you know what? I like having surprises. And when people think, "Oh man, y'all just y'all ain't doing nothing. Y'all ain't doing nothing." We just hit them in the face. Bow, another energy. You know what I'm saying? Bow, hit them with another energy. Break another legend off. Bow, it's been a little legend. Let's run it down. We've had Gang Grep, uh-huh. EC3, uh-huh. Ricky Morton, Kerry Morton, Ron Simmons, R-Truth, Bob Evans, and the list goes on and on and on, and we're only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and it ain't nothing you guys can do about it, because we all about the money. We want to get the money. Money. The money. money. <laughs> oh man listen thank you for joining us this has been one hell of an episode man um we got to definitely have brutal bob Evans back on here man i was going to ask him uh does he have anything to do with the bob Evans chains and uh i was gonna let him know i was gonna go in the morning and give me some hot cakes oh <laughs> uh, man listen y'all go check out brutal bob evans man uh great brother uh great teacher great mentor and an even better wrestler man and uh he has a very inspirational story so go check him out on his social medias and see what he got going on uh and if you want to follow us the brothers at the best damn wrestling podcast and see what we got going on or you can go to our instagram at the best damn wrestling podcast you can go over to our facebook group best damn wrestling podcast we got a facebook page the bd wrestling podcast where we have all of our content you can go over to our x or twitter at best damn crew uh we got a twitch also you can go to that at the best damn wrestling podcast and you can even visit our tiktok at best damn wrestling crew and of course we got a brand new store. You can go to the Best Damn Wrestling store and get some new merchandise. You can get you a Mr. Everything blazer. You know what I'm saying? Get you a Mr. Everything bag. Get you a Mr. Everything shirt. Get you a Mr. Everything hat. You know what I'm saying? All of the goodies um, on that thing. We're going to start selling on Amazon as well. Uh, Mr. Everything also has a TikTok shop. We has products on there so you can buy stuff directly from Mr. Everything and support his TikTok and everything that he got going on. Mr. Everything, let the beautiful people know what you got going on and where can they find you. Absolutely. You already know. Just like he mentioned, go to my TikTok. <laughs> official underscore Mr. Everything. Can't nobody say TikTok like you do. TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. You see what all the crazy, like, like Uncle Bob said, all the crazy workouts that I do. And I only do them really, honestly, because people be challenging me and they be like, hey, I bet you can't do this. And then I, I do it. But I'm like this.
is a Mr. Everything workout. That's what Mr. Everything does. He do them outlandish ass workouts. It's like, dude, how, why? <laughs> what, what muscle is that working? You know what I'm saying? Whenever you see a brother in the gym, the Whenever you see a brother in the gym doing that, you know it's a little extra. You know what I'm saying? That dude working the muscles from you to, to your next life. <laughs> he working your past muscles in a life before the life that you in. Yeah, he getting all them. Look, look, my, even my soul need to work his muscles out, okay? All right, that's how we that's how we do things, right? And it's a good thing I got my own gym. Anybody can't be sitting there judging me by what I do, and I only do it because guys would say, "Look, stop tagging me in these videos, guys." Okay, tag your and saying, "Tag your ass." Hey, I bet you can't do this because if you, my thing is this: if you're not doing it, if you can't do it, don't tag me in it. Once I start telling my own stuff, my crazy stuff, I'm gonna tag mm -hmm. all. Of you. I'm gonna tag every last one of you. I'm gonna tag every last one of these guys on the best damn wrestling podcast. And I'm gonna say, you guys got 24 hours, 24 hours to do it and get it done. That's right. I'm gonna do it with my half face. That's how mad I am. Hey, uh, my muscles don't muscle like that right now. I'm a hawk right now. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> but other than that, man, you know, on the TikTok. And uh, this Saturday, I will be in Dallas, Texas for the very first time uh, competing for SOAR Wrestling, ran by Sir Mo of Men on the Mission. If you're not familiar with Men on the Mission, you should go get from under that rock, um, go walk on some Legos and chew on some hot coal because you have you need to know who Men on the Mission is. Um, I get the opportunity to work for them as OIWA, SOAR uh a bunch of other companies is affiliated with them uh we have a company coming from the uk that's going to be there and i'm excited uh we got some things coming up in germany with soar so that's going to be exciting and a guy that i'm wrestling is a best damn wrestling podcast alumni brian davidson oh we we we, right. we talk trash and guess what we talk things into existence. That's what we do around here. We talk things into existence. So I get to get the opportunity to get my comeback, get my get back, get my lick back, get my hit back on Ryan Davidson. And hopefully get a booking from Re uh, Reality of Wrestling out of it. That'll be yeah, cool. that'll be cool. That'll be good. You know what I'm saying? How that works out, man. You know, I'm always doing something. And, uh, uh, breaking news. Because no one else knows, not many people, but no one in the public knows. The promo I did with Brutal Bob Evans is not just a promo, <laughs> it is a prelude. So after this weekend, more than likely, very much possibly, more than possible, Victor Andrews will be going into the vault. I have utilized the name Victor Andrews for 15 years. It's got me some great opportunities. Um, but after thinking of, about some things and talking to a couple of people and a mistake on a flyer, uh, I will be going by my real name from now on in wrestling. Uh, it would be Roosevelt, no last name. Uh, I'm thinking of the moniker, the, the Brownsville Bruiser. 
because I'm from Brownsville, Brooklyn, New York. So I'm thinking about that. But, you know, if you got a nickname for Roosevelt, send us a message on the Best Damn Wrestling Podcast and let oh, us wait. know what kind of nickname you would like to have for my new wrestling character. Um, this Sunday, we will be filming a vignette, the very first of five vignettes um, to kind of shed the skin of Victor Andrews and start putting on the hat of Roosevelt and showing you guys who I really am, which is dangerous because Victor Andrews has been the, the, the character, but Roosevelt is the real deal. So you think you had a problem with Victor Andrews? <laughs> Wait till you get a load of me. What movie is that from? So bad. When you said it, I got, I got chills. It's kind of sinister. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you were up to no good. Roosevelt has to be a, a, a bad guy. It's like, you know, you know who Roosevelt is. Roosevelt is the dude in the hood with with the with the soft name, but he yeah. just wore everybody ass. You know, he's, he's, he's always the one that sits in the background, just be like this. Just be like that. Who that? Hey, Roosevelt. Hey, you know how you know how they say uh, uh, the robbers come into a bank or a restaurant like, give me all the money, and it's always that one guy just sitting there like, just sitting there. Yep. <laughs> and then walk up to him like, hey man, did you hear what I said? I sure did. And that sounds like, like a skit you might have to do a little. <laughs> Somebody robbing the bank. You're just sitting there calm as hell. They're like, don't you see this gun pointing at your head? Yeah. I'm not afraid of death. Death is afraid of me. <laughs> you gotta, you it looks like a uh, 32 with a uh, small grip handle. Uh, hollow uh, points, uh, and how you know all that just from looking at the gun? You should probably just leave. Yeah, I've already disarmed you. You just don't know it yet. Yeah, I'm already, <laughs> I'm already from you. In fact, hold on one second. Can I have my milk, please? <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for this Roosevelt character, man. I think that. Um, he is going to do some damage, man. And I think that you should really be relentless uh, with this character, man, and, and take it in a different direction. You know what I'm saying? So I think that the name should strike fear in the hearts and the minds of all your opponents because they don't know what Roosevelt might do. Absolutely. Man, Mr. Everything... You know, we got to do this thing each and every show, man. And we got some uh, some amazing inspiration and motivation from Brutal Bob Evans. Do you have a final word for your beautiful subjects? Absolutely. Uh, and it comes from the movie Serafina. If you don't know what Serafina is, I hope you walk on Legos and chew glass. Okay. Serafina, that sounds like a like a like a Spanish porno or something. That's <laughs> never heard of it. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Right. right. What? Please, please tell me you know what what, what Serafina is. Please. I have no idea what Serafina is. Sound like water. Is the cousin of Aquafina? Serafina. Serafina. 
was a uh, uh, African American movie, and it spoke about the um, uh, the imprisonment of Nelson Mandela in Africa and uh, all the things that the Africans went through in that time, and it it was surrounded around this one girl who was a uh, a young girl. She was a student and. Uh, how the the militants were always against schools and the kids learning. Um, and it was about the country fighting against the radical militia who were trying to stop them from being able to uh, excel as a people. Uh, and one of the songs was Freedom is Coming Tomorrow. And I want you to know that no matter what you are going through, no matter what kind of shackles is trying to hold you down, uh, no matter what kind of obstacles may be on your way, no matter what kind of storms may be hovering over your head, freedom is coming tomorrow. You don't have to dwell in your situation. You do have to go through it, but you don't have to dwell in it because freedom will come tomorrow. So don't fret. Uh, don't get discouraged. Uh, don't run away. Just keep your head focused. Um, keep your eyes forward. And onward and upward. Because freedom is coming tomorrow. I like that. You ain't had to make me feel bad first before you make your final word. <laughs> Just can't see the day I'm moving. I ain't know what it was. I feel bad as hell. Yeah, we, the movie was about the imprisonment of Nelson Mandela. Now you got all, all of South Africa thinking I'm I'm against them and shit. <laughs> I love my people. You know what I mean? I love my people. Oh man, yeah. Mandela, Mandela, Mandela. All right, listen. I'm going to go in a different direction. My final word, and I'm going to tell the story with it. So, um, I received a message uh, the other day, right? And it said, uh, hey, Brian, I, I don't watch your show because I don't agree with some of the people that you have on. Right, and at first I felt I was, I, I was, you know, the, the hood in me was like, man, you know, f you, brother. <laughs> that was my, in my head. I, that's why I say. But then I had thought about it, and I, I started to reply, and I started to put, you know, that's okay. But now I realized that you know it's not okay because a person's. Uh, a person's idea of who you are should not stop you from doing what you were supposed to do or what you're called to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Somebody's opinion of you and your lifestyle should not dictate what you do and how you live, especially if they have nothing to do with that. They blessings ain't your blessings. You know what I'm saying? So, a lot of people don't see the vision. A lot of people don't see um, 
the mission that God has put on your heart because he didn't give it to them. He gave it to you. You know what I'm saying? So just because somebody don't like what you do, don't mean that you should stop doing it unless it's detrimental to your health. You know what I'm saying? But if you're doing something, if you're building something, if you're growing, if you're, if, if, if the idea that I can be something greater than I am right now, if I just go along this path, you're going to have people that throw stones at you. You're going to have people that put roadblocks in your way. You're going to have people to say, I don't like you because of this. People didn't like Jesus. He was one of the most righteous dudes on the planet. Say, 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 that, one, say that one more time. Say that one more time. People hated on Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and this man ain't want to do nothing but help people. That's all. He just wanted to help people. You can call it saving the soul and all that, but he just wanted to help people. And he got crucified for helping people. You know what I'm saying? So don't think that you were immune to the scrutiny of other people. But what I will say is, if you have something that's on your heart, if you have something that you know is going to make the lives of your family and yourself better, if you're trying to put yourself in a different position, or if you're even trying to to make uh, the sacrifices necessary for the type of success that you want to see in your life, don't stop because somebody else say they don't like what you're doing when they don't even support what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Straight like that. That is a final word from your boy. Renegade. I know you wanted to say something. It's like that, and that's the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, listen. Wait, 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 wait. Real quick, real quick, real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do they do they not catch the intro when we say that I'm your mother's favorite wrestler and I can whoop your daddy's ass? Now, unless he don't got no kids. Yeah, he, he don't think they got kids. Okay, okay. Yeah, I will, yeah. I will, I will, they, I they're daddy. They qualify for the ass whooping. Okay. You know? <laughs> Just think about that, guys. You know, I, I whoops asses. Oh, for a living. <laughs> Look, just for a bite of a man's hamburger. I'm going to whoop your ass. That's it. That's it. I'm hungry. That's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh man, listen. Uh Victor Andrews or uh Roosevelt. Yes. Sir, it is an honor and a pleasure to be on this podcast with you. Uh we got some new interviews coming up for the beautiful people. I'm excited. To see that, and you guys got to check out the best damn wrestling podcasts pages to see who the next guest for of the best damn wrestling podcast. You heard it from Ruta Bob himself. We got something special here. Me a part of the movement. Me a part of the best damn nation. And go to our damn store, the best damn wrestling store, and get you some damn merchandise. You can get you a shirt that say best damn husband. You can get your wife a shirt that says best damn wife. 
if you got a girlfriend, you can get her a shirt that says "Best Damn Girlfriend," uh, or you can even get you a shirt that says "Chef Showtime." We even got aprons. You know what I'm saying? If you like to grill and cook outside, you can be Chef Showtime yourself. You know what I'm saying? Get you some best damn merch from the best damn wrestling stuff. And check out Mr. Everything on everything he got going on. Everything I got going on. Oh, everything. Oh, man. Listen, we can't hold you no longer. Thank you for joining us. If you are watching us on Facebook and YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, thank you for watching us. If you're on Radio Land, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcast, you can check out the boys at the Best Damn Wrestling Podcast. You know what I'm saying? Join the motion in the ocean <laughs> of the Best Damn Wrestling Podcast. Beautiful people, we will see you next week on the next Best Damn. Wrestling. Wrestling. Oh, yes. Beautiful people, we bid you.